and I'm not going to yes. kind of put you into a victim-y kind of, oh, poor you, and I really don't want to upset. It's like, let's keep this private for sure. Yes. But let's not prolong the agony <laughs> or make it bigger than it needs to be. And maybe having sort of got the bigness of it and then say, okay, I know this is big, but it doesn't have to be so big. It's just, I'm just giving you some information and I hope it's helpful and let them take it rather than try and make it better for them because it's all so very difficult. Welcome friends to Unsaid at Work, the podcast where we have a look at conversations that we typically avoid that are hard, that are crunchy. And I'm your host, Catherine Stagg-Macy, an executive and team coach along for the ride with you. This week's episode takes a practical turn as we tackle a listener's workplace dilemma. Someone wanting to seek advice on how to address the issue of a newly hired direct report who has offensive body odor. And as always with these listener questions, I invite my friend and coach extraordinaire to work through this with me. My friend and my guest is Rona Steinberg, who is the Out Loud coach. And as you'll spend time with her, you'll realize why we call her this. Her work is centered around helping clients become more self-aware, more self-accepting, and ultimately more self-expressed and therefore out loud. She brings a more a slower and more reflective angle to our coaching conversations, which I think is a lovely counterpoint to my style. And remember, this isn't a coaching session. Our dear listener is not here. And so I approach us to ask lots of questions as doorways into a deeper understanding for all of us about what's really going on. And whether you've experienced this or not, I know there'll be nuggets in here for you, like the difference between kindness and niceness and why that might matter on a topic like body odor some practical tips for approaching the conversation, like keeping it private and being straightforward, and just sort of an existential conversation about what is it without discomfort about bad smells. If you'd like your problem answered by Rowan and myself in a future episode, share that with us. There's a link in the show notes. It's anonymous. Tell us as much as you can or you want to, and tell us how we can help, and we will do our best just to do that. Let's see what we can learn about giving feedback to someone with a bad odor. How are you doing overall? Having I fun? Am, I, I wouldn't say it was I wouldn't say I was having fun. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm really checking in, I would say I'm in a sort of place of discovery, which is often a place I find myself when I start to really reflect on topics or issues or anything. I might start by having, oh, I'm having a lot of fun. And then as you go deeper, it feels like we're really dropping into some profound thinking here. So yeah. I'm certainly appreciating every second of this interesting discussion. <laughs> <laughs> we're, I feel like we're, we're working out our dance. Yeah. There's a rhythm that we're finding in this. Yeah. yeah. How deep, how to share the conversation. Yeah, how far to go. Yeah. What's the remit? What's the ambit? Yeah. How deep do you go down that rabbit hole yeah. for coming out? And how much do we give of our own examples? How relevant is that? Yeah. Actually, very relevant. No, I think mm. so. Yeah. Personal examples are relevant completely. Mm. So I think is the gift in that there are anonymous submissions mm. that we can, like, we wouldn't center it on ourselves, perhaps in a coaching conversation, or but certainly filter it, perhaps. This is a bit different. Yeah. So, Rony, we've got a topic here for conversation from our listeners, a listener. Would you like to read out this topic that we have in front of us today? Yeah. Okay. So this topic is headed offensive body odor. 
the listener writes, I have a newly hired direct report that suffers from offensive body odour. It's a hygiene issue. A combination of things, hot climate, polyester shirt, no deodorant or undershirt or t-shirt, wearing the same shirt over more than one day. As their manager, the team are escalating to me and asking me to talk to the person. It's been going on for a couple of months. It's affecting my team and me, perhaps others, but they've not said anything to me yet. I drop subtle hints about my use of deodorant and aftershave and have talked about the importance of being ready for impromptu client meetings. What would be a kind and compassionate way to highlight the problem in inverted commas without causing offence or damaging their self-esteem or confidence? Oh, I know. <laughs> My heart goes out to, like this. to everybody, really. Heart goes yeah. out to everybody. <laughs> and this challenge of really wanting to be kind and just notice just the attention to not wanting to damage their self-confidence. Right. Catherine, as we've done in the past, before we sort of jump in, what is it about someone's smell? What is it about yeah. that that has the potential to be such a emotive topic? I wonder if this plays into the thread about what's professional. Like if I'm, you know, if you and I are playing sport, I'm a bit stinky. Mm. Like I would feel there's permission to be stinky as I play <laughs> sport with you or, or go for a walk or something like that. Because I'm sweating and it's hot and... But there's an idea of what's professional in the workplace. Right. So I love that, especially because what came up for me was that we have permission to smell when we are being human, like playing sport or going for a walk. That's human activity. But we definitely don't have permission to be human and exude (laughs) odours when we're being professional. Well, I think there's like this range, like mm. if there was like I have this image of a continuum of like smelly as a dog's armpit mm. on the bad side to rose garden on the other side. After playing sports, you can be on either end of the continuum, like you have welcome to be human, but in, in work you have a, there's a little third in that continuum. Mm. You have permission to occupy a third of that continuum on, on the on the upside towards rose gardens. Yeah. If you ever want to get into offers politics to ask people about who who, <laughs> who puts their lunch in the microwave to warm up at lunchtime and how it perm- that smell permeates the office. Like, again. And it's a reminder of being human. Eating. It's the tuna salad. It's the egg mayonnaise. It's the spicy foods with certain aromas. Everyone's like, oh my God, that stinks. It shouldn't be in the right. office. Yeah, it is it's interesting. It is a What's human, what's not? Was it Gore Vidal who said hell is other people? Or was that somebody else? <laughs> Dropping the quote. Yeah, because we don't really want to be reminded of our humanity or indeed other people. Well, maybe our humanity is okay, but other people's humanity. But it's reasonable to not want to be around yucky, sm- you know, yucky smells. It's very, yeah, I noticed my judgment on <laughs> that. It's reasonable. Okay, so if we agree it's reasonable. What is reasonable about not wanting to be around yucky smells? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That feels like a good question. Well, I feel like we're sort of knocking on our natural disinclination 
to be with anything that disgusts us. And that's ingrained in us. We are primed to, oh, something mm. smells bad. Move away from Get away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Get away. It's not healthy. It might be dangerous. It feels like this is a sort of primitive, our primitive reactions, which is mm-hmm. how we are supposed to react. It's like, oh, this doesn't smell good. Are you calling that out just so that we acknowledge that rather than suggesting that we accept that? Yeah, I'm calling it out so that we acknowledge it. Yeah, okay. I'm getting to the, um, like, what really might be going on for us in our bodies. Mm, Yeah, what's the sort of the physiological Mm. base response going on? It's a bit like the fear response. Last time we were talking about our fear of public speaking. And so... It seems a bit ridiculous, but actually it's a natural response because we're visible. There's danger there. We're high, we make ourselves highly visible. And it's an ancient mm. primitive response to perhaps the theory is being out on the plane, being separated mm. from our tribe, being observed by another tribe or a pack of wild animals. It doesn't feel safe. And so we have what we describe as an amygdala attack, the primitive part of our brain. Yeah. Has this fight, flight, or freeze response. And so I suppose what I'm thinking about here is that we have responses which are in our bodies. But it doesn't mean that they're, <laughs> that's all of the story because we have other things that go on in our brains that counteract our bodies, which is actually, no, this is completely safe. <laughs> this is not going to harm you. It's perfect. You're fine. You're all right. Actually, you're in a muddle. Yeah. We talk, I talked to clients about being triggered and somebody sent me a, sends you an email and you're all of a sudden, I don't know, but you read the email and you're incensed with rage at the person's asked you to do something. You're like Your response is disproportionate to the email. What is the limbic brain's interpretation of the threat response in that email? And that's sort of talking yourself down. Like There is no threat to my survival in that email. They asked me to do something. I just find that very annoying. In the same way, the smell, that's the analogy I'm making. I have this visceral body response to a certain smell. It's not cyanide. It's not sarin gas. I'm not going to die. I've got a horrible feeling they can't smell those gases. (laughs) (laughs) My point is somewhat the same. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Of I quite like that, separating out your initial physiological response and then challenging yourself of, is this really a a dangerous situation? And invariably, it's not. Mm. Not to dismiss your response, like there's something going on here for you. Like, that's interesting. Yeah. But let's take this a step further. So mm-hmm. nevertheless, we can work out this isn't, it's natural for us to have a visceral response, a body response. It, like, oh, yep. and we can think to ourselves, it's not dangerous. It's not going to harm me. But nevertheless, it feel it is unpleasant. I wonder if our discomfort and you know, that feeling of, oh, no, but I don't really want to say that to that person or actually it's quite funny. We tend to joke about it because we are uncomfortable amongst this topic. Yeah, yeah, because it it feels so personal, right? It's not, what I don't like your red shoes, Rona. Like it's, you know, I don't like the way you smell. Like that feels much more about who you are as a human being Mm. rather than your choice of shoes. It's much more primal. I don't like the way you smell. And, Belonging, if you think back to our social needs around belonging and certainty and fairness, those sort of basic survival needs that we have, 
the conversation about you not smelling in the way that fits in our, how you're in our supposed grouping, yeah. how you're supposed to, whatever that means, is feels quite threatening. I mean, you know, there's the belonging aspect. Mm. I had also thought of the you know, the difference between kindness and niceness. Our listener said, what would be the kind and compassionate mm-hmm. way? You know, I think the nice way is to not say anything and the kind way is to say something. Mm-hmm. You can argue with me. Just, you can argue with me. Just, uh, Shalane Chan in an earlier podcast had said, if I go into the bathroom and come out the bathroom and have my dress caught in my knickers, yeah. there is this awkwardness around, Catherine, you're slightly disrobed and you might want to know about it. So the nice thing is not to say anything because it might embarrass me, it might embarrass the person mm. telling me, but the kind thing is to save me for the rest of the day walking around looking like that. The nice thing is to not say, but the kind thing is to say if you've got your neck, if you've got your dress stuck in it. Yes, it is kind. So let me catch it up for editing. The niceness centers our action on how we feel and to avoid our discomfort. The kind thing mm. centers on what is right for the person or what you feel to be right for the person and in spite of your discomfort in, in delivering the right. message. Mm. I find that a very powerful way to lean in. You're gonna, you're, I think you might disagree no, with I me. Go you, ahead. I get it now. I get where you're looking. I was failing to see the distinction between nice and kind, but I think the difference for me is the second one is around being in service of that person. Yes. Yeah, so kind, kindness is being in service of the person. Mm. And putting our own discomfort to one side, the embarrassment we might feel about all having to tell that. Exactly. But actually seeing the bigger picture and thinking, actually, I'm not in service. I'm doing a disservice to that person if I let them wander around. Yeah, because the listener talks about the, I think other people haven't raised yeah. it. It's affecting my team and me, perhaps, although they've not said anything, says our listener. Absolutely. If you smell the person, everyone else is smelling them. Like you can, I, I absolutely guarantee mm-hmm. There are conversations going on about this person's body odor. Absolutely. In the spirit of kindness, then, I think we we can all understand how this might be holding back the newly hired direct report from progressing because it's getting in the way of relationships. Yeah. It's isolating them because everyone's going to give them a bit of a wide berth. They may not be invited to social events. And the risk is that put them with the client or meetings and they're going to be emptying the room pretty swiftly and not really understanding why. And so it's not going to go well for our newly hired direct report. So there's a a real purposeful thing at stake here. I like the framing. Yeah. This is about this person, what's at stake for them in their career, their progression, how people behave around them. Yeah. So how do we manage this in a kind way? Or maybe the in a nice way. Well, so we know it's kind to tell them, but how can we do it in a nice way? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think preparation is useful, right? Yeah. As with all hard conversations, I would say getting your thoughts straight, writing it down, having a conversation with someone else about, let me just say this out loud. Our listener clearly wants to do this in a kind, compassionate way. So when conversations are hard, I think we need to give ourselves a bit more opportunity to practice. Mm-hmm. What would you add to that? Let's not over-prepare. <laughs> because yes. the reason I say that is because I think we might veer into the realm of over-emphasizing how difficult this conversation needs to be. 
So that if we've taken a lot of care planning, what we're going to say, because we're really worried it's going to hurt their feelings, blah, blah, that, that is going to really get into the atmosphere. Whereas yeah. if we can, okay, I've worked out what I want to say, and I'm going to say this in a straightforward way, and I might name that it's a bit embarrassing, but I'm not going to overemphasize how embarrassing it is. And I'm not going to yes. kind of put you into a, victim-y kind of, oh, poor you, and I really don't want to upset. It's like, let's keep this private, for sure, but let's not prolong the agony <laughs> or make it bigger than it needs to be. And maybe having sort of got the bigness of it and then say, okay, I know this is big, but it doesn't have to be so big. It's just, I'm just giving you some information and I hope it's helpful and let them take it rather than try and yeah. make it better for them because it's also very difficult. Don't center the conversation on yourself because it's hard for you to give this person the right. feedback. And I've done that. It's like because I'm so uncomfortable right. and embarrassed and you know, I have to tell this person, you know, I have to tell Rona that she doesn't smell nice and like I'm I work up about a Rona, I'm so sorry, this is really bad news and how do I tell this to you? And like, stop it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Not about you. Just stop it. It's not a, exactly. If you're giving the if you're giving the feedback, it's not about you. So don't become the drama. Exactly. Doesn't you don't make it a drama because it's not a drama. But you can make. And I've done right. it. It's like oh, I'm so brave and I'm going to give you this very hard <laughs> advice and I thought so long and hard about right. doing it and gosh, yeah. I didn't. I lost sleep no last one night. Stop it. <laughs> Not least of which the person having to receive this feedback. So I like that. Yeah. Over, don't plan, don't overplan. Right. So don't overplan. Yeah. Centered on the person who's receiving it, not on you and your emotions and discomfort. What's coming up for me is it might be talking to your children about sex. So if my children are listening to this, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> Just me, to make that completely clear. <laughs> but for me, I don't so much anymore, but in previous iterations of myself, I used to be kind of embarrassed about absolutely everything, <laughs> especially sex. Right. But I knew, and I'm not too much, I knew that when I discussed or when one discusses sex with one's children, you really don't want to be putting that on them. And I probably have, so I don't. Mm -hmm. But right, so be honest, I'm very sorry. <laughs> but I knew that I had to be a bit more direct than anyone was with me. And mm. I think it for me it was important to say, I know this is a bit embarrassing, but that's okay. We can get through it together. Again, mm. it's that piece around. I like that framing. Yeah, like I, it, it's like let's not deny that it is a bit embarrassing, but it doesn't have to be more embarrassing than it is, and it doesn't mean that because something's embarrassing we can't talk about it. Yeah, in fact, we absolutely have yeah. to talk about it. That's kind of the key. You do have to have a bit of courage for these conversations. So I think what we're saying that question was how to highlight the problem without causing offence is actually to have the conversation. Mm. And to risk causing offence, risk it. You might cause offence. Mm. You probably will cause offence. I'd be offended if if I. I'd be mortified. God, it's awful. 
But if I then found out that this has been going on for six months and you hadn't told me. Even worse. I'd be a hundred times mortified. Yeah. You mean for like six months I've done, this is. Yeah. Why did this you is what I've me? been in the situation. You haven't told me for six months. Right. Didn't I matter enough to you? Yeah. I think there's a, f- maybe this is a linking to an earlier one about perspectives. Like I wonder if you could hold the idea that this may be the greatest that's ever playing. This may be a great gift that you are offering to have the courage and tell this person mm. of the unintended impact they're having through their body mm. odor. Maybe you're the only person who's had the courage in their life to do that. And this might be impacting their dating life, their home life, their relationships, Mm. their career progressions. I mean, this is potentially a really big thing. So back to like a theme that you and I always come back to about what's the stake here? Like what is this? How do we make this bigger than you and your discomfort in 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 the immediate time of feedback? And who knows that person might have some awareness because we make up that, oh, they don't know. But maybe they do know. Maybe they do know. Uh, maybe the assumption is they don't use deodorant. Maybe they do. And it's not enough. Yeah. Or maybe they really do yeah. need some help with that. So we're wishing you courage, dear listener. Yeah. Courage, compassion. Got the cat compassion. Keep it kind of clean. <laughs> That's a funny use of word. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it real. Make it bigger than about yourself. But not too big. (laughs) Not too big. Not too big. Yeah. (laughs) Straightforward. Don't use funny words. Don't hint. You know, all those hints. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes. Stop it. I thought, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Stop it. Our listener has used subtle yeah. hints. Subtle hints haven't worked. No, surprise. They might have worked. You don't know. I, I'm not averse to a subtle approach as my first go at the problem. But if they haven't worked, now's not the time. Now, yeah, it's very clear and direct. Mm. The other thing I would say is don't say, oh, people have told me that they don't like, like, no, own own it. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Don't farm it out to some mysterious oh, no. person who, does, who doesn't. Not only I can't mm. stand it, but. Everybody in the oh. office. <laughs> I mean, oh. <laughs> yeah, just keep it between yeah. you. And I think that the specificity of yours, like if it's maybe late afternoons, it gets pretty bad. Like that sort of specificity might help the person understand what's going on and how to make changes if they choose to make changes. Yeah. I'm sorry for that slightly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is probably hard to Why are we laughing? (laughs) Oh, dear. You brought sex in earlier, right? These are difficult conversations to have. (laughs) Any final thoughts or ponderings, Rona, on this topic of how to give feedback around body odor? Well, no, I think we really have covered it, haven't we? Mm. I think it actually, I want to commend the listener for bringing this topic into visibility because it, I think you could really broaden it out. Personal habit, bad breath. That's another one. Yes. Habits, chewing your nail. Yeah. Chewing gum, slurping your teeth. Yeah, we're such animals, aren't we? 
Mm-hmm. Smelly sandwiches in the fridge. Yeah, being in relationship with one another. And it comes on the back of the pandemic. We've all been separated, haven't we? Mm. Mm. We've all been in our little spaces and we haven't smelled or breathed each other. We are now beginning to again. <laughs> Although I'm sure that even on script, I have noticed I get triggered by people eating when I'm on. It annoys me. Why? <laughs> yeah the messy business of being in relationship yeah. all, all exacerbated in the work in the workplace either remote yeah. or in person yeah Rona thanks for your wisdom thanks for inviting and your willingness me. to come along it's been really interesting and I've really enjoyed it exploring these topics and to our listeners Rona and I will be available again those who make submissions if you're feeling energized mm. on listening to Rona and I and you'd like us Rona and I to tackle one of your work conundrums the link is in the show notes to make your submission and if one of yours has been covered here we'd love to hear how that went or how that landed with you what was useful what wasn't absolutely <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Unsaid at Work I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something new may perhaps opened your perspective on dealing with bad smells or body odor at work so many listeners have left us lovely reviews on the podcast like mj at 1701 uh, who says so much of this resonates with me i've always wanted that friend on my shoulder who could help assure me and guide me when i needed it what a fabulous resource this will be to both leaders and those who simply lost their mojo. It's definitely worth watching and tuning in to the space. Thank you, MJ at uh, 1701, for your review. And if you feel called, I'd love to have called to leave us a review. That would be amazing. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast website. And your feedback really helps me improve the show and reach more listeners like you. And it's only going to take a minute and would mean an awful lot to me. So thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. And until next time, this is your wing woman signing off.